You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. I can't go back. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on She Became Visible. I have an amazing guest. She is broadcasting from somewhere in the UK. Right, Allison? How outside of London are you? Um, We're about 100 miles. So we're right in the the middle of England. Okay. Okay. Right in the middle. Okay. So she's um, broadcasting from the middle of England. That's all I'm going to say. But she is, let me tell you a little bit. I will tell you a little bit about how I met Allison, and then I will let her tell a little bit about her bio and how fabulous she is. I met um, Allison online on Instagram. There is an Instagram group out there called Silver Sisters, and she happened to be one of them that I was just like, oh, wait, who's that? Let's, let's, let's follow her. And so I started following her, and she just... I don't know. I just kind of looked at her and she's got that a um, uh, little bit of a sarcasm in some of her things. I'm like, oh, I like her. I think I can connect with her. And that's how we met. Um, so isn't that funny that you can meet somebody on Instagram that you've never actually met in real life and yet you feel connected and you know that you could meet up, get off the airplane and go to lunch and it would be like you've known each other all through school. You know, it's so weird that you grew up in the neighborhood. So Allison... You have, I love, you have the most amazing bio. I mean, your story, um, I just love the trajectory of where it went, where you are, how you got there. And so tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing now. And then that way, by talking about what you're doing now, we can go back and reference it and you can, and I... I think then our listeners will understand why I just think you're amazing. Okay. Complete contrast to what I was doing oh. <laughs> for the first 60 years of my life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I need to use the context. I trained as an interior designer and I worked for 40 years as a commercial interior designer. Um, but I've stopped doing that now. I've outgrown it, um, finally. And I, I spend an awful lot of time online. Um, I'm, admin on a Facebook group called Going Grey Gracefully, which is a very large group. And I spend a bit of time on Instagram, which is where I'm meeting wonderful people just like you, Renee. Um, and I'm doing a bit of modelling, which five years ago, never, ever in my wildest dreams, I avoided the camera. and uh, But now I find I'm becoming a bit of a show-off. To be honest. <laughs> I love that. And I love that story. Tell the story of 
how you got into modeling? Because you said like a few, how was it been, five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's just probably four. Uh Um, I was in London for um, a design event. It's a three-day event. And I was just walking down the street and I was stopped by um, a model scout um, who suggested that I put myself forward for an ad. And I was completely taken aback. This just was like, you know, do you mean me? Yeah. Um, Are you trying to steal my credit, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I, I went for it. I didn't get it, but it got me, it just made me think and review. Um, and I spoke to a friend here in Birmingham who has his own agency and he just said, well, you know, I've been meaning to ask you for ages and just thought you'd say no. So I signed with him. Um, and subsequently I've signed with other agencies as well because I've learned that I'm, I'm really not a commercial model. Um, I'm I'm a little difficult to place. Um, you know, I'm not your classic beautiful midlife blonde. So yeah, yeah, yeah that that's the look that they like from their models. But that's interesting you know. that you would say that. Was there not a, a clause in your contract that you were you you know a non compete or something where you had to stick with that agency? No, okay. no, he's 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 lovely, and everyone that I've signed with is. It's unreasonable to ask me to sign, you know, if I was 18, I'd have my life ahead of me and would sign exclusivity. But now it's just unreasonable because people can't give me constant work. Right. Right. Um, And no one has insisted on it, which um, all credit to them. Yeah. Yeah. All credit. Um, So that's where I'm at now. Um, You know, I've had. Like I probably get a job every couple of months, every two or three months, and that's uh, it's good. I love it. That's so really great. enjoying it. Well, I want to go back to that. Uh, so write that down because I will never remember. But I want to talk about that <laughs> because I think that's a really good point to um, admit that you don't fit into this particular mm. box, and that that's okay, and mm. to understand where you where you are in this world or how you fit into the social dynamics, because I believe that's part of the, she became visible is when you uh, are living in an atmosphere of either being told who you are and then never living up to that expectation uh, never feeling like you are your true self or that if you do act as your true self, that that's wrong or bad. Um, and so I, I love that you recognize, well, this isn't for me and, and I don't fit that category, but it doesn't stop me from doing what I want to do. Mm. I think that's probably the theme of this entire podcast is the acknowledging yeah. that, but still moving forward. So talk about exactly what you said, how your early childhood, where you mm. thought you fit, how you found out you didn't fit and why that didn't stop you from doing what you wanted to do. Um, I, I had a classic middle-class upbringing. Um, my mother was a doctor who, um, qualified in Edinburgh. And when my parents married, he, my father was an architect. When they married, um, as a married woman, she wasn't allowed to practice medicine. So they relocated to England. Um, otherwise I'd have been born in Scotland and he'd be even colder. Um, <laughs> And 
Uh, so I had a really, you know, a, a lovely upbringing, kind parents, um, achieved pretty little at a, at a, at a school, um, and then found my vocation really when I started studying interior design. I didn't, I chose it because it was the only thing I could get onto, frankly. It was the only course I could get onto. And then suddenly the penny dropped. Um, and I went on and I, I got my degree. I got a first class degree and I did an MA as well. And then I moved to London and spent the first 10 years of my working life working in London. Uh, so I've worked as an interior designer for 40 years, um, subsequently for 25 years running my own practice and specialising in workplace. Um, and I was, you know, I thought that was who I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, really thought that was who I was and that when I stopped, I would cease to exist, oh um, which I have found not to be true. Amazing. What You know what's interesting, though? I love what you said about, I mean, your father is an architect. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, he was an architect. Yeah, yeah but, but you didn't mm-hmm. feel as though... You didn't know when you were graduating from, I don't know what they call it in England, but um, when you got through and we needed to go on for an advanced degree, you didn't know who you were or what you wanted to be, but no. it was almost out of uh, some kind of serendipity or something that we're like, well, yeah. you know, here's this thing you could probably get into, but we, you know, we can't, you know, and so you're like, okay, fine, mm. you know? No, I'm a terrible one from following my nose, oh. that whatever feels right um, I just trust, I trust the universe to direct me in the way that I need to be going. Okay. Um, I do, there's one of my favorite sayings is how do you make God laugh? Yes. And that's telling your plans. Yes. Um, so I think you have a direction of travel. That's fine. But I don't make big plans. You know, people say, you, have you watched your five-year plan? I don't have one. Right. Let's see what life throws up. Um, I think you miss opportunities if you don't, if you're too rigidly on track. Right, right. Um, I know there's there's no vision board anywhere in my home. Um, I, I I admire the people that are that dedicated and that organized to be able to do that. You know, set a vision board, set goals, yeah. write them down, journal daily. Um, but I can't make myself do that. I, I don't know. No, that's not me either. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. I think I think I'd lose sight of the, as you said, serendipity. If you're focused so much on, how do you know what you want anyway? If you haven't tried everything, right? Um, if you're so focused, I think all these things that come in on the sides, you're just going to miss them. Right, right. That that that's what yeah. I think too. And I think some sometimes when you have people that are. Now, I'm not saying one's, one is better than the other, but if you are very organized and you will say, nope, nope, that's not, I'm, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to major in, you know, economics or whatever. And nope, nope, nope. You know, that you are cutting mm. yourself off for, you know, not experiencing what maybe something else could do. Uh, you know, on the other hand, we can't bounce around our whole life. So fortunately, when you got into the interior design program, you were like, mm. I love this. I really love this. So that's yeah, a confirmation. I really got it. Yeah, yeah, that's a confirmation. I did. Yeah, um, but it's such a male-oriented world construction mm. that I think it probably took me until my fifties to really believe I deserve my place. Interesting. Um, you didn't get outside confirmation I, for that. Oh, 
No, because everyone everyone's qualified to comment, aren't they? <laughs> oh yes. You know what I mean. Yes. Um, and you're only as good as your current job. You you very very quickly move on from the successes, and you're on to the stresses of the next the next challenge. So right, right. You don't have time to dwell on your genius, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we were pretty pretty damn good actually in retrospect. Um, well, we and I, love, I, work, I work with my husband for 20 years. So I, I love that you said that you were a commercial, what, what we call in the United States, a commercial real uh, in designer. So you yeah. weren't going into people's homes and picking out no. their sofas or their fabric no. for their drapes. I'm, I'm not diplomatic enough for that kind of work. Exactly. Yeah. I, mm. I, I think that's interesting too, though, um, to even recognize that if you love the field that you've chosen, that even that is going to require more decision-making and maybe more separating. It's like, look, I love interior mm. design, but I'm not doing this part of interior design. I'm yeah. going to do this part. And, mm. um, and then that's okay because yeah. fortunately there's many opportunities for that. Mm. Um, but mm. I remember yeah. when we talked before, we were talking about why neither one of us enjoy a personal one-on-one home interior design. And I, I'm like <laughs> you, it's like, look, when I get an idea, I want to do that. You know, so mm, it's like yeah. if, I, if I say, let's yeah. paint the whole room black and they're like, oh, no, we can't do that. I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to do mm. it anymore. So. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you're given a brief. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, client, Mr. Client, you gave me a brief. So why are you arguing with me? Yeah. Presumably you appointed me because, you know, I can do the job. Right. So why why are you arguing? <laughs> and um, residential work is or domestic work is a bit too emotive. Now, was there a, a sexist view of that? Like, if oh, if you're going to be an interior designer as a woman, you should do residential interior design. But as a commercial designer, mm-hmm. we would prefer a man. Did you have that? Uh, no, okay, no, not good. really. No, yeah, that's good. No, uh, I think it's more. It's undoubtedly there's some misogyny in it, um, but it's also ageist. You know. Yes, that's um, true. You know, who wants to speak to a feisty middle-aged woman yeah. who knows more than you? Right. You know? Right. But yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? There you go. So many hurdles. Yeah. Just when you <laughs> just when you find yourself, just when you really mm. accept yourself, you're like, yeah, but you're old. So mm, there's yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's yeah. Really yeah, exactly. So talk but. about how um so what you said, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I think I heard you say was that you, your mother and your father were very supportive, um, mm-hmm. that it was a, a peaceful home, a, 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 just a good old childhood like most of us have, well, that you and I have had. I shouldn't say most of us. That's very general. Um, but that there was still some insecurity that you had, even though my you- par- My parents divorced when I was in my- uh, early teens, mm. early to mid teens, okay. which which th- in retrospect threw me right off. Mm-hmm. Um, no one recognised it at the time because no one dwelt on the um, mental well being of children in those days. No. You just um, pulled up your boots and you got on with it, didn't you? Right. Um, it wasn't about you in the sixties, seventies, right? No, absolutely not. not. You just. Right. You know, you, you just got a grip, didn't you? And you um, you got on with it. So, you know, in retrospect, there would have been all sorts of isms I could have slotted into. But right, right. No time for that. So there was no therapy. You're not getting any kind of uh, therapy or your parents aren't saying, Alison, I feel like you 
aren't really, you know, accepting this well. And let's see what we can do. No, not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I do remember a lovely moment when my my, my sister was um, more outwardly vulnerable than me. I've always had a a shell. And um, my parents were discussing her later later on in life and said, oh, you know, what about, but what about Alison? And one of them said, oh, Alison's fine. And I'm like, uh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I may not have told you, but no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. <laughs> but you now, learn, did, you learn to be fine. Exactly. <laughs> and to put on that front. Did yeah. your parents both remarry? Yes, they did. Okay. And how, and who did you live with? Um, my mother remarried when I was 17 and I'd just left home. Okay. So my wherever my mother lived was home, but I never lived with her and her subsequent partner. Okay. So primarily, did you spend more time with your father? No, I, I more time with my mother. But oh, okay. I was a daddy's. I was definitely a daddy's girl, but I spent more time with my mother. Did you ever consider going to work with him or for him or combining a, a career with him? No, no, not at all. No, he was very, very talented, very talented architect. Um, and very, very proud of what I'd achieved. Yeah. Uh, very proud. And, and I regret that he hadn't seen, you know, the latter mm. successes. But um, no, we never, we how, never thought of that. How long ago did he pass on? Uh, 11 years. Okay. Okay. So he did see years. he did see some good success, though. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Not not the heights, yeah. not the giddy heights. Uh, <laughs> because COVID uh, affected your and your husband's business. It so did. It finished it. it finished in all it. honesty, oh it did really. Yeah. Um, because there were we'd um, we built the business up and we had fourteen staff at one stage, but we let them as they left. We we let them leave and didn't replace them, and we. We reduced it down to just the two of us, which was terrific. Oh. It made it meant we didn't so much work and we could be more selective. Mm. Um, but it meant that when COVID came and the work was stalled, we had no income. Oh, because you were both. Because we both relied on the single income stream. So um, my husband's seven years younger than me. Mm. Um, not that he looks it, <laughs> but he, he is seven years younger than me. And we always knew that the day would come that he would have to carry on working and I wouldn't mm. because I wasn't going to carry on until he could retire. Right. right. So we, we took the cue and he found a job that he's very happy in um, designing for another company. Interesting. And I'm filling my time. Oh. And you deserve <laughs> that. You deserve that. Yeah, and I'm quite enjoying myself, actually, in spite of I would, never would have believed it, but I am. Right, right. Talk a little bit about if you whatever you're comfortable with. Talk a little bit about the difference because I know you said you were married before. Were you married young before? No, I was twenty eight, twenty nine when I first married. Okay. Um, and how no one get- gets married to get divorced, do they? No, that's not you the know? plan usually. Uh, no, unless you're unless you need a green card. And then that's a yeah. <laughs> that's a different subject. Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, and did you meet your first husband at work at school? No, I didn't. I met him uh, in a pub oh. um, one Christmas when I was went to stay with my mother for Christmas, um, and it was you know it was pretty instant uh, attraction on both sides. Um, 
and we, you know things were fine for you know a while um but he was very very challenged by, by my work interesting very challenged by my work <laughs> didn't really understand why it took so much of my energy and why it was so important um and subsequently you know consequently i mean we were married for 16 years but um latterly the last probably the last five years particularly were really quite miserable um but i think that's uh, interesting we we speak now that's the main thing exactly i think it's Mm. interesting because i've seen a I, i think i've seen a pattern um, I don't have all the facts, you know, you, nobody really knows what's going on behind closed doors, but I do feel as though I see a pattern of successful women that more successful they get, the more the, the husband is kind of like, uh, no, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. Mr. Allison, you know, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. be Allison's husband because there's an ego thing there. Um, mm. did you find that he actually, were there little, um, uh, not triggers. What's the word? Little digs to try to make oh, you back into your he would position. Be, he would belittle me, and, and I. Um, you begin to believe it. Exactly. You begin to believe it, and you begin to believe that you're you, you're not much worth anything, really. Um, and gradually, that's what I I believed. Um, and in retrospect, you know, I should have I should have had the strength to finish it a lot earlier. But you do what you do. But you did, and that's the point, is that it, you finally got yeah. to a point. What what was it in your life that gave you that strength to finally go, you know what, I am I do have value, and mm. I don't want to listen to this anymore? Uh, I started working with the man that I eventually married, and he became a very good friend. Um, there was nothing between us initially, but there was clearly, you know, uh, he was a great support. He was going through a marriage breakup. Um, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Yeah, but-, um, but he listened to me and made me feel valid, mm-hmm. um, which I wasn't getting at home. I did really, really try to get my marriage back on track because I you know, say I hadn't got married to just throw it away, but um, I, I didn't get the support I needed at all. And I think that is a little bit of a aha thing when you think that you begin to doubt your value, you begin to doubt your talents or even uh, whether you should even be doing what you're doing because you're listening to these outside uh, forces or, you know, confirmations. Um, But then you have the experience of having another human start telling you that was really great. You're doing really great. Oh my gosh, you're so good. I, I love what you're doing. You're so talented. And it's kind of like, Oh, maybe it's not me, but Mm, you know, oftentimes I think depending on the decade that you were born or raised in, um, (laughs) that does, uh, hopefully give women a chance to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did I start believing all of this? You know? Yeah. It's, and, it's that drip, 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 isn't it? That gradually without you even noticing. Right. So I would, I would never condemn anyone who stays in an abusive relationship because it's so, um, it's so diminishing mm-hmm. that you, you lose your power. Yeah. You really do. Um, but you know, well, what I, got I love there. About- I got there in the end. 
Exactly. I, what I love about your story, though, is you knew enough about yourself to say, look, you know, I'm going to get married. We're going to get married. I, I, I just, you know, I think this is great. I don't want children, though. That is not part of the equation. You knew that enough about yourself and that your yeah. career was going yeah, okay. to be a focus. And I, I, I love that you were strong enough to make that decision, because when you talk about women who stay in abusive relationships, it's usually because there are children involved yeah. or they got married so young, they have no training, no career, no education, no ability to be financially independent. And mm, that's that, very true. And that puts p- women in a position of, of uh, vulnerability as far as having to take what you got. So I yeah. love that. I love that you did that. And I, I do wish that there was more, I don't know what they're doing. Like I said, in the UK, but in America, there, there seems to be a, um, a broad thought that high school, elementary school, that by the time at 18, these kids graduate, it's the high school's responsibility to teach them everything they need to know, socially, culturally, everything, instead of just how to read, how to write, whatever. Um, and so there, I don't think there's any training that says, let's find out what you think about yourself or... Uh, because I don't know, if, I don't think that's the school's responsibility. But where are they going to get that? Where are women? Mm, I don't. Be I, don't I don't think parents do that anymore. Um, certainly, my mother was very independent woman, and she, you know, she made her own living. So I always assumed I would. Yep. So you it had was a never really spoken. Yeah, exactly. very, very much so. She was fiercely independent. Right. Uh, so it was a presumption, I think, on my part that I would always have control over my own life. Yep. And your own finances. What, mm. so your mother must have been, um, what in the maybe thirties and forties that she, uh, was it she, got her medical degree? No, she studied it after the war. So it was late forties, early fifties. Okay. Okay. So mm. that's not very long ago. Um, nope. you know, 70 years or so or whatever that, and I, I think that's an interesting thing. A lot of times the younger, the younger women today, um, cause I mean, I'm, I was born in the, uh, in 54 and my husband and I were married for a long time. My first child was born in 76. At that time, I could not open a checking account because I didn't have a job. Yeah. Um, no. people don't understand that. It's like, I mm. couldn't go buy a car because I didn't no. have a job. My husband, well, you, need, you needed a man to, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's not that long ago. It really oh, it isn't. It really isn't. Yeah. So tell the story of how you were, as you say, you were walking down the street with your gray hair (laughs) and that was when like your, another type experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And it was really heady to be honest. Uh Um, because I've, I think I've, I felt once I made the decision to grow my hair color out, it sort of transformed me in so many ways Mm. Um, it's hard to articulate where it was like suddenly seeing yourself um, from from outside and seeing something of, you know, you're actually, you, you're not uncool, you know. Um, and, and growing my hair out was a, an absolute light bulb moment for me. Um, I thought that I would feel invisible, but I felt completely the opposite completely the opposite um and so i think that in a way it was almost like um 
I, it wasn't something that I'd thought of myself that I felt that I had any, you know, any possibility of looking special or anything. Mm-hmm. But once it was said, I didn't disbelieve it. Mm-hmm. So when someone complimented you on your hair and they were like, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. You were like, mm. it is? Wow, it is? It is, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And it was, um, if it had been five years earlier, I'd have just like, forget it, you know. Yeah. You're joking, not me. Right. Um, but it was like a, yeah. So did you have, um, was it a package deal? Was it like I had... I was coloring my hair and I wore it in a bob, but then I decided to let it grow out. Therefore, I cut it short. How did how did you? No, it was already short. It was already short, and it was not dissimilar to now. It wasn't quite as uppity, okay, but it was it was um, very short at the sides and more of a uh, quiffier rather than very uppity. Okay, Um, so it was very easy to grow out. Okay. Uh, in retrospect. Right. Yeah. Because if, if the sides are really short, then in a month, yeah, you've they, got were, they were done in no time. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. Did you find but it was a dark brown? So were you coloring? How many years had you been coloring your hair? Forever. <sighs> I had absolutely no idea. I couldn't have no memory of what my original color was. Really? Um, and I certainly had no idea how much white I had. Wow. Um, yeah, but my sister had made the pl- taken the plunge a little earlier, uh-huh. um, and she was blonder than me, so she'd just gone lighter and lighter. Okay, and she had this snowy white hair, and it was like, hmm. Well, if you have, maybe I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so were you? Uh, so you'd been coloring your hair for a number of years, not to cover the gray yeah. necessarily, no, but just no, for fashion, to. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what colors have you been? Oh, every every shade in the pink, purple. Oh. Ready brown. I have had black. Um, all of the, you know, okay. multiple shades, oh, multiple that's... styles. Yeah, never the same. Never the same cut for very long. I love that though. Yeah. I think that's another part of finding out who you are and not not uh, asking anyone's permission to. I mm. mean, that's one thing that I remember when we were raising our children that um, I felt very strongly about that hair is hair. It's not, you know, you let your hair grow. If you don't like it, cut it. If you don't like it short, grow it out. So it, my boys and my girls, you know, it was kind of like, you want long hair? Great. You want to cut it short? Great. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times the school or uh, other uh, systems would tell them that that's not appropriate. You should look this way. You should have, I have lots Mm -hmm. of stories with my brother who um, he's three years older than I am. So he's, he turned 70 this year. And yeah, we're both just like, that's not happening. We're going to, we're not, we're not letting, letting this happen. But he talks about how in the sixties, you know, you've got the new rock and roll, right. And the mm-hmm. hippies are coming out. So he wanted to let his hair grow. And, and, um, uh, my mother was absolutely like, absolutely not. I will take you every two weeks. You will be getting a haircut and this is the style you will wear. And then she bought a pair of, uh, home clippers and thought she was going to oh. do it, you know, and just the pain. I mean, he talks about it like he was in a, a, a you know, a, a prisoner of war camp. How it really affected <laughs> him. It was like, yeah. it's my, you know, and he's got gorgeous hair, thick, curly hair. It's just beautiful, you know. But uh, because an institution told yeah. her that in order to look a certain way or to present mm-hmm. in a certain way, uh, yeah. this is how you had to look. And these gender appropriate, in yes. inverted commas, 
Uh, yeah, the expectations that certain genders were certain way. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And that's the that's so many of the things I love about today. It's it's funny you would say that because um, we talked about this before. Um, one of the th- reasons why I think I'm so attracted to my friends on Instagram that are from across the pond is there seems to be more of an acceptance and a willingness to be independent and to choose your who you are yourself. Uh, there was a lady just the other day that posted, she posted a picture of herself and she had done, uh, I think it was kind of a one side was very closely cropped. And then the other side was this. And she was like, what do you think? Do you like it? I don't know. My husband hates it. And um, so, and then I like, first of all, I don't know why people get on the internet and ask for permission to do things, but so they, so some of the women were like, no, I love it. It looks great. And then some of the women were like, it's absolutely too short. It's very unfeminine. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Is yeah. it 2022? Yeah. And then there was one lady who was, she started out really well. So I'm reading along and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why are you listening to these other women? You don't have to listen to them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And then she says, but your husband is the head of the home and you need to know what he oh. says. And I was like, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> so I was no. just like, oh, this is why I have a podcast. I'm trying to mm. give women permission to be who they are. But, yeah, but um, I think cult- culturally, um, and I'm going to stick my neck out here okay. um, and shoot me down if I'm wrong, but on our Facebook group, I have noticed that our American members are very afraid mm-hmm. of people's views and a very um their husband has to like it and they do what they're told and you know that and it is that husband is the head of the family which is very rare to find in the UK that anyone takes that view um but these poor women are so browbeaten right it's very sad to watch right how, how small they are yeah it, it is it is a, it is fascinating I'd love to see some kind of an anthropological study or something done because it is interesting culturally. It would be interesting to compare the independence or the mind thought, or because I do feel as though you are always ahead. I mean, in this country, um, it was settled by the Europeans, you know, um, or the colonized, I should say, not settled, but colonized. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they brought those things to them, and yet, you, you know, you were through with slavery many years before our country was through with slavery. The some of the what Victorian things kind of. Th- filtered back into America and we probably carried those out way longer than than you did it's interesting that is interesting but isn't it regional uh yes I believe it is the, totally the ground by, by the edges yes you've got more yeah uh, yeah I'm going to say forward looking yeah um, no I I think that's again, true even today shot down, but yeah even though it's an international market and we have access to all of this uh you know thing it used to be uh, oh, you're in Ohio. West Coast isn't wearing those boots anymore. But people in Ohio don't know that. You know, mm. that's not true yes. anymore because yeah. of everything. But <laughs> there is definitely systems that are set up that keep people in a certain mind thought for sure. But mm. so interesting. So I'm. Yeah, what are the things that you um, now that you started a model? And I love now. How old were you? Uh, what do you say when you say, "Oh, I started my modeling career at what age?" Sixty-one. Well, I was signed at 61, but I didn't because COVID then, you know, of course, killed the industry. Um, (laughs) I I probably did my first about 18 months ago. Interesting. So I was 62. 
That's I love that. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm 64 and nearly a half now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> isn't that funny? I hate it because you know how they say you you're uh, an adult once and a child twice, and you do find yourself kind of going. Uh, for a while there, you're like, I don't know how old I am. I don't know, 40 something or whatever. And then the older you get, mm-hmm. you start going, I am 67 and three quarters, you know, yeah. or whatever. It's like, I- but I'm actually quite, I'm quite proud of my age now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, when I turned 50, I was mortified. I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. But 60, I threw a big party. So, you know. And I completely different. I think, you know how everybody's like 60 is the new 40 or women will say at 40 is when women, you know, they finally come into themselves and they find themselves. I don't know if that's true. I really do think 60 because Mm. um, you really have permission from, I don't know, a lot of the universe to say, I don't care about you. Not that I don't care about you. I don't care what you say. I don't care what Mm. you think. I don't care what your opinion is. Uh, What are you going to lose? You're 60 years old. Exactly. And I think also you're past your, there is a trigger when you go past your fertile years Uh somehow Mm -hmm. that you, certainly I get more compliments from women in the street than I ever would when I was, would be perceived as a threat. Uh Oh, Um, I see. Okay. That's I think that you are, you're rendered, um, I don't know, I can't think of the word, um, but you're no longer a threat right. to their right. man yeah. because you're not fertile. Ah. So they can see you almost asexually. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's almost a biological thing is it's like, yeah. that's interesting, I, that's but a- I, I think you're right. And I, I do feel badly for the women who, um, because it, it is kind of a, a, a thing where you have even young men or women in the middle of target or whatever that will come up and say, I love your hair. You know, I just, or young men, I was on a hike the other day and this guy, uh, young, young guy was like, I love the color of your hair, you Mm. know? And it's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, that, Mm. that that they feel that comfortable and, and expressing that opinion and how nice to hear something like that, you know, it is nice, isn't it? It is nice. So I make, I make sure that if I see anyone with, equally gorgeous hair that I tell them. Exactly. Good choice. Mm. Good choice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I stopped off today to, to get something to drink and the lady behind the counter, uh, you could tell that she, her hair was gray and that she had decided to let it go lilac, you know, so she had a lilac dye on it. And, yeah. um, I, I, that I'm right. very, I, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, good job that you chose that. I would, I was afraid to do that because I didn't know if it would ever, you know, they say you can wash it out, but I was afraid it's never going to wash out. So no, did you ever I think try you, you don't like want that? to be left with another skunk line, do you? Exactly. Yeah. No. Or any kind of treatment. So. No. Exactly. No. So what, what do you think, what was the moment? And, and tell me if it was that when you were walking down the street and someone was like, wow, you should be a model. Was that when you were thought, oh, like you said, you, you said, I, oh, you see me? I, I see me, but you see me, you know, that type mm. of thing. Was that your, yeah. was that your moment of um, becoming I, visible? I, I think that was, it had started a little before that. My husband's always been, he's always referred to me as his supermodel. Oh. He's always been so, so complimentary and, oh. and you know, um, without any 
hesitation or any, you know, there's no compromise on that. Um, And I never really believed him. Um, But I think it was that plus my friend here saying, well, yeah, you know, I've been meaning to ask you. And I'm like, really, do you think I could? And that was, uh, and it was so very empowering. And I, there's a little bit of me that feels slightly shallow for feeling that, you know, aesthetics matter so much, but actually, God damn it. Yes, they do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. I could not think of a better way to end the show. (laughs) It does matter. And that, that is, that is so important because it is part of who we are as humans uh, what happens and and how we how we live together and it does matter it does matter yeah. and I love that and I think and are you, I don't know if you follow Deborah Darling on oh, yes. Instagram and Deborah said something about um, putting your best foot forward uh-huh. and I think that's such a good way of describing it why would you not right. continue to put your best foot forward I I believe that so strongly mm. and uh, and mm. I do I do dispel the myth that is kind of out there now where it's like, um, why do you, why do you have makeup on? Why are you kind of all put together? Where are you going? And it's like, I'm going out. I, I, I might just be staying at home, right? but I will still yeah. put my makeup on in the morning because it makes me happy. Right. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. Yeah. And that's who I'm doing it for. So, exactly. you know, if you don't like it, tough. Yeah, you know. exactly. Exactly. Billy oh. swore then. Absolutely. Well, Alison, thank you so much. And um, very well. Do you, is there any, do you want people to follow you? Do you want to throw out some handles? Um, On Instagram, I'm thin Latin moose with an underscore between each word. Uh, Very happy for you to follow me on Instagram. Absolutely. And just real quickly tell how that came about, because I'm sure people are, are going. It's an anagram. It's an anagram of my name. Okay. And when I started Instagram, I was still working in construction and there was no way I wanted all those men to know that I was taking selfies every day. Oh gosh. Now I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly why we say this. Thank you yeah. so much for, for taking time out of your day. And It's and been I a pleasure love- as always. Oh. Always good to talk to you. And every time I think I'm going to book a ticket, then something happens. You have another lockdown or now you have tornadoes and storms. And I'm like, Ugh. I should be here. I should be here. Okay. I'll just get my, <laughs> my Mary Poppins umbrella and head over anyway. So, yeah. You could right. go. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Good. Thank you. Look Thank after you yourself. so much. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, you guys, was that not amazing to listen to? I mean, Allison is so, so inspiring. And I love everything that she had to say. But, you know, it makes a difference what you think. And you do you. Every day, do you. If you get your Louboutin stilettos on to go to Safeway because you love that, it doesn't matter what people think. And I hope that that's the message that you got, that you find who you are and then you become visible in this world. So thank you for joining me today and we'll talk again. Bye-bye.